Welcome to the Neshama Project Podcast. I'm Rabbi Ben Newman. Today we're going to be continuing our study of the seven lower sefirot, the seven lower emanations from the infinite. These seven are corresponding to the seven weeks of counting that we count between the holiday of Passover, which is the holiday of our freedom, and the holiday of Shavuot, which is the holiday of our receiving of revelation. This week, we're going to be discussing the Sfira of the week, which is Hod. I gave a little bit of an introduction, uh, a teaser for Hod last week when I was talking about Netzach, its complement Sfira. This week, I'm going to be delving into the Sfira of Hod in much more depth. I'm also going to be talking about Lag Ba'omer, the 33rd day of the counting between Passover and Shavuot. The 33rd day has special significance in many ways. It's seen as a day that the mourning period that we experience during the Omer lessens. Uh, Traditionally, in Orthodox circles, People don't have celebrations until the 33rd day of the Omer. Uh, There's also a correspondence between the Omer period and the plague that occurred for the students of Rabbi Akiva. And the idea is that on the 33rd day of the Omer, the plague abated and people stopped dying. We'll start, though, by looking back at where we ended up last week with the text from Rabbi Dr. Arthur Green in his book, Ehiyeh, where he's talking about the Sfirot of Netzach and Hod, and he begins to talk about Hod. So, Dr. Green writes, The Netzach within us needs and calls forth a new opposing force called Hod. Hod means beauty, but some connect it also to hodaya, which means both gratitude and confession or admission. Netzach seeks to remake the world, to render everything perfect. It is a great force for goodness, that which inspires us to go forth and right the world's wrongs, to reform the social order, to fulfill the dream of perfection. Hod is the admission that we cannot do it all the acknowledgement that we have to accept ourselves as we are and be grateful for life as it has been given to us. Beauty lies in that which is, if only we open our eye to behold it. Netzach strives for transformation. It is the impatient force within us that believes we can accomplish anything. That reality should be subject to our wise reshaping power. Hod is the other side of wisdom the self that bows before the mystery of what is as it is, the self who submits to reality and rejoices in doing so. The biblical figures represented by Netzach and Hod are Moses and Aaron. Moses is the outer form of the inner Jacob, according to the Kabbalists. We may see it as perfection that takes on the challenge of leadership. The Moses within us stares down the Pharaoh, the embodiment of evil and oppression, That Moses leads our forces out of Egypt, parting the sea with the staff of confidence placed in his hand, 
but our inner troops get weary and start to lose their way. Confident that we can pull it all together, that we can make it all the way to the promised land we lead on. In the struggle for victory and transformation, however, we lose some of our patience. Exasperated with our inability to do it all, we follow Moses in arguing both with his God and his people. Here we need the wisdom of Aaron the priest. Bowing deeply before the altar, he knows how to accept reality as it is, even when tragedy befalls him. Aaron lost two sons to an excess of religious enthusiasm. He stands silent in acceptance, knowing he will continue in the life of worship. Perhaps life cannot be changed. Aaron accepts it and finds it beautiful as it is. He even accepts and understands the needs of those who demand a golden calf. Devotion, gratitude, acceptance, these are the virtues of our inner high priest. I'm reminded of here of the serenity prayer. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. I see here Hod as the serenity to accept the things that we cannot change. I'm going to read now from a excerpt from a work by Label Wolf, who is a modern psychologist who comes out of the Hasidic tradition. The Sphira of Hod molds meaningful acceptance. Hod opens us up to the opportunity that adversity provides. It is not to be equated with passivity. Do we really know what is around the corner? Can we really decide in advance whether an occurrence is going to bring benefit or cause harm? Our only realistic alternative is to remain curious and open, to accept the moment as it arises and follow its development. Adopting a stance of natural curiosity and visualizing a positive outcome raises our tolerance for discomfort. The basis of Hode allows the creation of a neutral and accepting stance and the manifestation of a more positive disposition. To surrender to life's exigencies does not mean that one meekly turns the other cheek. On the contrary, it means that we engage in life fully, that we ride the rhythms of life and sing to the cosmic winds. Choosing our battles carefully enables us to see the forest as well as the trees. We become open to the signposts that direct our own tentative steps. The secret of the Svirah of Hod lies in acceptance. It takes a heartfelt thank you and surrender to the other to activate submission to the greater wisdom of the Creator. It also takes courage. I'm now going to do a reading from the modern day poet, novelist, and occultist Rachel Pollock. She writes, Across the tree, we find the bottom sphira on the pillar of judgment, Hod. Hod, glory, is the sphira of intellect, the faculty that indeed judges. Without Hod to restrain the Netzach quality of endless love, we would find ourselves tossed wildly on the seas of emotion. 
Aphrodite's greatest acolyte, the poet Sappho, wrote of the goddess's passion how it sweeps us away like a leaf in a storm. Yet Sappho herself used one of Hode's deepest attributes, language, to convey her experience of love. Without Hode's intellect, Sappho could not have stepped back from her passion to compose poems of such intense emotion and at the same time such elegance, part of Hode's contribution to art, that they have inspired readers for thousands of years. Isabel Kliegman describes Hode as, quote, the logical thinking mind, unquote, that balances the overflowing emotions out of Netzach. One reason we call this Sphira glory is because the mind is humanity's glory, our greatest strength that enables us to survive and flourish in a world of dangers and hardships. If we go too far in this direction, if we let logic rule us entirely, we can change our lives to a waterless desert without emotion. Once we do that, we can fall prey to illusion, such as a skepticism that denies life's wonders or a pointless cleverness. But Hode represents far more than logic. As the mind, it signifies invention, brilliance, the ability to make sense of all the complicated experiences that have come before it. Hode is the fifth day of creation, when all the variety of creatures came into being. Only the intellect can comprehend and find order in the almost unimaginable proliferation of species that populate the world. We find Hod on the left side because it receives the energy of Netzach, but Hod is not passive any more than a woman is passive because she receives a man's sperm and grows a child inside her. Hod's glory is to shape and structure and find meaning in Netzach's flood of spiritual eternity. To Western Kabbalists, this is the realm of the planet and the god Mercury. The closest planet to the sun, Mercury has the shortest orbit and moves the fastest. This gives it the quality of swiftness. Think of the image of the god Mercury with his winged helmet. Mercury is a male deity, and we commonly think of mental activity as masculine. Once again we get that crossing so common on the tree, for we find Aphrodite on the masculine pillar and Mercury on the feminine. The Greeks called the god of mind Hermes. The, name, the same name as Hermes Trismegistus, author of the Emerald Tablet. If we combine Hermes and Aphrodite, masculine and feminine powers, Netzach and Hod, we get the word Hermaphrodite, a person of the reproductive power of both sexes. Compare this to the description of Tiferet as, quote, the great androgyne, unquote. If mind represents the glory of humanity, then language becomes the true jewel in that crown. Language allows us to convey our thoughts person to person, but also generation to generation through writing and oral traditions. Writing too is an attribute of Mercury. The Egyptian Hermes, called Thoth, was the inventor of writing. His standard image shows him with a sheet of papyrus in the act of scribing. The Norse god Odin, called Wotan, in Germany, brought the runes, the magic alphabet, to humanity. The name Wotan gives us the English name for the middle day of the week, Wednesday, dedicated to the planet Mercury, Woden's Day.
The runes are not magic because of some special origin, though they do originate in the dark well at the base of Yggdrasil, the Norse tree of life. All alphabets are magic. The Sefer Yetzirah describes how God created the world with the power of letters. For Kabbalists, therefore, the Hebrew alphabet existed before the world. The letters form the Torah, the blueprint of creation, described by mystical Jews as, quote, black fire on white fire, unquote. The Hebrew letters form the pathways between the Sefirot, first delineated by Moses Cordovero. These pathways are the very rungs of Jacob's ladder. Because there are 22 of them, we get multiple possibilities on the tree instead of just one lightning flash to go from Sfira to Sfira. From Tiferet alone, you can travel to every Sfira but Malchut. Yesod comes between Tiferet and Malchut. For Western Kabbalists, though not in the Jewish tradition, the tarot cards have become a pictorial representation of the letters and their pathways. The 22 tarot trumps, called the Major Arcana, allow us to follow the paths with the aid of visual symbols. Each tarot card becomes like a bottomless well that we can look into our entire lives and still find new things. Most primal of all is language itself. In the traditions of Israel, India, and Egypt, the original God, the eternal divine being, literally spoke the world into existence. In Genesis, the first act of creation is the statement, let there be light. For humans as well, language is creative. Our words do not simply record observations or feelings. Language orders the chaos of existence. It lets us comprehend how things fit together and then share that with others. And language evokes and stimulates. As anyone who reads poetry knows, language can induce different emotional states, surprise and excite us. Though the ultimate mystical experiences lie beyond words, language can help us grasp at least the sense of what happens when the journeyer goes beyond self to encounter the divine. Lao Tzu wrote, those who know do not speak, those who speak do not know. And yet that statement is made out of words. Some Kabbalists call Hod splendor. Alan Moore writes, Language gives a shape to the splendor of the intellect. Because he is telling a story, a comic book in which his character Promethea journeys up the tree, Moore brings in Mercury himself to speak to us. At one point, Mercury turns and looks toward the reader to tell us that sometimes the gods live inside the stories we tell about them. Gods, the god Mercury tells us, are extrapolated are abstract essences clothed in language, image, and story. Like the element Mercury, our thoughts shift and flow and change shape constantly. Anyone who has tried to clear the mind in meditation will recognize just how slippery and insistent our thoughts are. We can build great wonders with our minds, yet our thoughts themselves are more unreal than the invisible air. Like the mind, the god Mercury rules over many activities, both prudence and cunning, science and invention, but also frauds and swindles. Mercury, like thought, can move between the worlds, from the upper realm of the gods to the daily life of humans to the dark underworld of death. Mercury is the messenger of the gods, a title we might consider for the mind. The mind composes thoughts and sends them on high, as the Jewish Kabbalists say, 
and the mind receives intimations of immortality, a phrase from the English poet Wordsworth that put us in touch with divine reality beyond our daily lives. I'm going to read now some texts about Lagba Omer and its relationship to the Sefirah of Hod. First, I'm reading from the Talmud, Tractate Yevamot 62b. Rabbi Akiva had 12,000 pairs of students in an area of land that stretched from Givat to Antipatris in Judea, and they all died in one period of time because they did not treat each other with respect. Now this text is from the Shulchan Aruch, the law code from the early modern period. Orachayim 493.1-2 It is customary not to get married between Pesach and Shavuot until Lagba Omer, the 33rd day, because during that time the students of Rabbi Akiva died, meaning during the time up until the 33rd day. I'm reading now from Pre-Eitz Chaim, which is from the tradition of Isaac Luria, 16th century, 16th century Kabbalist, Gate of the Omer Account, 714. He, Yitzchak Luria, would go to the grave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai and Rabbi Eliezer, his son in Meron, on Lagba Omer, and the reason for this is that Rashbi died on Lagba Omer because he was one of the students of Rabbi Akiva who died during the counting of the Omer. And now I'm going to read a piece from Yerachmiel Yisrael, Yisrael Yitzchak of Alexander, uh, a late 19th century, early 20th century rabbi. I heard the following about Lagba Omer from our sainted master and teacher, the Rebbe of Biala. May his memory be a blessing. That day represents Hod Shebahod, and repairing the quality of Hod within oneself in the Godhead means becoming aware of its source, uplifting and returning all beauty to God. Know that, quote, beauty and majesty are his, Psalm 96.6, all of one's beauty really comes from God. Thus, it becomes impossible to feel hatred or jealousy for a friend who has been granted beauty or majesty as not you, since all of this comes from God. The Talmud explains that the, that the disciples of Rabbi Akiva died because they did not show honor to one another. Their eyes were cast jealously upon each other. Clearly, they had dam damaged the quality of Hod, as we have mentioned. When they arrived at Lagba Omer at Hod Shebahod, the innermost beauty of soul of beauty, they repaired this quality. Therefore, they stopped dying. This is because the light of the giving of the Torah begins to shine on Lagba Omer. Israel attained this through their sense of solidarity. Quote, and Israel encamped Vayichan there. Unquote, Exodus 19.2, that is, each individual found favor, chen, in his friend's eyes. This is how they became as a, quote, single person with a single heart, unquote. 
Israel came to know that favor, chen, beauty and majesty belonged to God, and therefore each person saw all the others with eyes of grace and not the opposite, heaven forbid. When this light later appeared to the disciples of Rabbi Akiva, they too repaired the quality of hod. My teacher revealed even more about this idea. It is taught in the name of the Magid of Kojnitz that the world of chaos, Olam Hatohu, is the world of individuated points, Nekudot, that do not touch one another, and that the world of healing, Olam Hatikun, is that of interwoven colors, Gavan. My master, the Rebbe of Beala, said as follows, this matter is one of the supernal secrets, but each and every person can take some lesson or instruction regarding divine service from it. See to it that you are in the world of healing and not the world of chaos. Become connected to and share friendship with your fellows. How so? Through repairing the quality of Hod. Let each and every person find favor in your eyes and see their virtues rather than their faults. Thus far are his holy words, more precious indeed than pearls. And his holy teaching explains what we know. The Svirot, Netzach, and Hod are called, quote, teachers of God, unquote. The students of God's Torah must repair the attribute of Hod, understanding that it all comes from the One. Netzach and Hod are also called, quote, two halves of the body, unquote. And this too alludes to the love and affection that must exist between scholars. They must know that they depend upon one another and thus learn from and treat each other with honor. If they study the Holy Torah with arrogance and silly vanity, they will damage the font of life. The numerical value of, quote, wisdom, unquote, chokhmah, is the same as the life, hachaim, the source of life was damaged, God forbid, when the disciples of Rabbi Akiva did not treat each other with honor. And when Lagba Omer Hod Shebahod arrived, the light of the King of Life shone upon them, and the spirit of repentance was aroused, quote, and understanding with the heart, return and be healed. And with an understanding with the heart, return and be healed. Isaiah 6.10, they drew healing into the world, and through repentance they became humble before one another. The Jewish people have a custom to take up bows and arrows during these days. The idea is as follows. We know that the farther you draw back the bowstring toward the earth, the farther the arrow will then shoot into the heavens. The same is true of tzaddikim, of righteous individuals. The more humble they become, the more exalted and uplifted are the spiritual unifications, yichudim, they can accomplish, and the higher their prayers will ascend. This is why such actions are referred to as a bow. When he was leaving this world, Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai performed a great unification, something that could only have been done in a state of total self-nullification. He was as nothing, like the dust, truly. Therefore, we hold a festival on the anniversary of his death something not done on the anniversary of the death of any other sage. We do this because at the time of his death, he revealed exalted mysteries and performed an awesome and tremendous unification, which he could not do when living. Now, because of our abundant sins, we cannot do such things. We need to arouse compassion through prayer. It is written, quote, which I wrested from the Amorites with my sword and bow, unquote. Genesis 48.22, and the Aramaic translation renders it, with my prayer and supplication.
previously that Sadikim protected the generation, but in the absence of such Sadikim, we much we must each struggle through prayer and petition. That's this week's reading, uh, this week's teaching on the Sphira of Hod. And I'll end with the serenity prayer again. May I be granted the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Until next time, this has been Rabbi Ben Newman with the Neshama Project.